This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale, Spencer editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I knew Chris Claus <laughs> because for years he was a superb teacher in the Gilderland School District. But he's here today because he's involved in the Gallupville House. And we're eager to hear both about the Gallupville House and to catch up with Chris on what he's been doing since he left Gilderland. So welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's nice to be here. And I guess we should start with the Gallupville House, because that is what brought me brought me to call you. You had sent out a release, and it was unlike most of the releases I get. I didn't need to do any editing on it. <laughs> really compelling writing. And it said, you now have this lovely website. Indeed. Well, by, by way of background, I, I live in Gallupville, have lived in Gallupville my whole life. That's a, a pretty long life so far. I'm happy about that. How old are you? I'm 68. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He looks 10 to 15 years younger. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And, well, here's the thing. I, I live right next door to the Gallupville House. So the property that I own uh, comes right to the Gallupville House, and that building ha- has been part of my life since the beginning. Uh, when I was a, a kid in late elementary school and middle school, I belonged to the Gallupville Grange. And the building that is now called the Gallupville House was the Grange Hall in the early 1960s, late 50s and 60s. And the Grange, I just got into it because my friends were all in the Grange. And they were in the Grange because their parents were in the Grange. My parents were not in the Grange, but my friends were. So you know, well, this was the an ex- Grange used to be a huge force in rural America, yeah. and it's kind of declined. I don't think it exists anymore, actually. Yeah. Um, but the, the Grange, the organization, met monthly, and so it was another opportunity for the kids in town to be together, to do something, and we met in this elaborate meeting room in the upstairs third floor of the Grange Hall and had regalia and uh, uh, there was a there's a real ceremony to the meetings oh my goodness yeah it's it's really it's a secret it was secret you know like there were things that we just weren't supposed to share necessarily can you share them now oh it's it's been so long i don't really remember but well like what was the regalia uh, we we wore stoles around our necks and the meetings were conducted according to a script and each officer, uh, I'm trying to remember, there was the master. There was, it was not a president. It was a master, assistant master, um, a steward, and assistant steward. <laughs> I mean, there were, they were f- funny, unusual names given to the officer. Were they the all officer. men? No, they weren't. Oh. Uh, no. And so, so the, the master would open the meeting and say certain things. We read it from a book. And um, I, I may have filled the role of assistant master at one point. I recall my line was, the steward will ascertain. <laughs> and, and that was in response to a direction. And I was a, a good oral reader. I got the word ascertain. 
I didn't know what it meant. It didn't matter. Nobody cared what it meant. We were just going through the motions of this. And we would so conduct essential business. And then we'd plan a day out for bowling. Or we'd do a, a, a picnic or something. But it was, it was just this little club. And we were the juvenile Grange. After which, we would have cookies and water or Coca-Cola or something. I don't remember. And... Uh, we'd go downstairs in the Grange Hall, and the the uh, adult Grange would meet. And they were upstairs. They conducted their meeting. We were downstairs. Somebody would have a record player. We'd play records, and we would jump around and dance. When we got too rowdy, somebody would come down and say, you're too loud. And then we'd quiet it down. And um, after the adult Grange was done, people went home. That was a Friday night. <laughs> in Gallupville, <laughs> and it's part of my youth. The building, the Grange Hall, uh, was was one of a couple of institutions in town, the fire department being another. And uh, as a kid, through the summer, the fire department and the Grange would alternate hosting ice cream socials. Uh, one of the organizations, I think it was the fire department, owned half a dozen hand-crank ice cream freezers. So uh, once in July, the fire department would make ice cream and have an ice cream social, and then two weeks later, the Grange would have an ice cream social. And then in August, the fire department would have one, and then two weeks later, the Grange would have one. So there would be four ice cream socials a year in Gallupville. And the Grange hosted two of them. Ice cream was cheap, and the cake was donated, so you'd pay 15 or 25 cents for some ice cream, and it was a fundraiser for whichever organization was sponsoring them. So I went And this to the, was, ice cream was a rare treat still, that it had to be made, or was it just the fun of getting together? It was the fun of getting <laughs> yeah, together, and okay. part of it was the Friday night, yeah. uh, because the recipes were, were good, the ice cream would be cranked on Friday night, there would be 30 or 40 people together, uh, mixing up the, the, the recipe for the ice cream, chipping away at the ice, cranking the ice cream freezers. And what the kids would get was once the ice cream had set up, the, the paddles would be lifted out of the ice cream freezer and set in big porcelain dish pans. And we were given spoons so we could clean those off. And it was fantastic. <laughs> and we would horse around and play. And, and you know, we were kids. So yeah. we did what kids did. And... So the ice cream socials, that's a thing. You know, I remember it very fondly. And it, but it was the community getting together, and we did it every few weeks, four times in, in the summer is my recollection. And the, the, the auxiliary or the members of the Grange would bake cookies and cakes and, and lots of treats. That was free at the ice cream social. You didn't pay for that. That was just donated and you paid for the ice cream, and so, I don't know, they probably made a few bucks. Um, so, so the Gallupville House was a place that I went as a kid a lot. The so grain, how did you end up next, living next door to it? How did that well, happen? That, that's, that's not... My parents bought a 20-acre parcel in Gallupville, in 1943. And what it, did they do for a living? I take it they weren't farmers since they weren't in the Grange. Correct. They were not farmers. My father was a civil engineer, 
Uh, he worked for private companies in Schenectady and ultimately uh, completed a career at the State Ed Department. My mother uh, had worked at the General Electric Company. They both came from Schenectady originally. And uh, she worked for the General Electric Company. When they moved to Gallupville, she wasn't working. She raised children. And then ultimately, I think when I was in about maybe eighth or ninth grade, she went back to work uh, for the state ed department also as a clerk. So they, they commuted to Albany. Mm -hmm. and um, uh, But we owned the, the parcel. It, the, my father, I think, had it in his head that he wanted a, a, a piece of property. The, the details of this probably weigh into it. Uh, when they bought this property, 20 acres, a, a large house, barn, lots of outbuildings, and it also came with a, uh, an established apiary, a, a beekeeping business. My parents bought the property, which included the apiary and a, more than 100 colonies of bees, and a building on the property that was constructed for the purpose of extracting honey. So they, they had a big honey business. And did they keep that going? They did until um, the early 60s. Um, the, the building is, is on my property yet. It was always known as the Honey House. It is yet known as the Honey House. And it was, as I said, built for extracting honey from the bees. Uh, it, it then was a storage building. But when I got married in 1982, uh, worked out a deal with my parents so that I could acquire the property, and we converted the honey house into a new small home for my mother and father. Oh, my goodness. Yep. What a nice evolution. <laughs> and, um, you know, my parents have both passed away, so I, I own the honey house. I rent it now. It's, it's being rented to a, a young couple who live there. And how nice for the young couple to live in the honey house. <laughs> and they have a honeymoon all the time. <laughs> it's funny, I, I wrote this little introduction to the honey house and, uh, you know, give people the, the history of it. And, and a funny aside, because I've rented now to a few people over the years, but uh, a woman who rented the house who came from Providence, she and her daughter moved. She was working for National Grid, decided she wanted to live on her own in the country, so she did. And But she had a, a, a lot of road work she had to do, so she was on the road driving 50, 60,000 miles a year. Mm. And she had a heavy foot, and uh, she <laughs> she was on the throughway west of, of Fultonville not long after she uh, moved into the honey house. She was racing down the throughway, and uh, she got pulled over by a state trooper. The state trooper happened to be my nephew. And he said, uh, whoa, what's the rush? Where, where are you living? She said, well, I, I, I live in Gallupville. And he said, oh, really? Uh, where? And she described it. And she said, he said, oh, uh, the honey house? You live in the honey house? <laughs> she said, what? how do you know that? He said, well, my grandmother lived there. She said, what? <laughs> I mean, this is so bizarre. And when she came back. Did she get out of the ticket? She got out of the ticket, yes. <laughs> And she said, is this what it's like here? I said, I guess on a good day, yeah, it is what it's like here. Oh, wow, that's a great story. <laughs> oh, this small town connections, it's great. Well, so when did you start getting involved 
I mean, other than your youthful fun at the yeah. old grain hall, when did the grain hall shut down as a grain hall, and mm -hmm. how did it become what it is now? What happened was uh, the, the popularity of the Grange, I guess, really waned. And uh, in about 1966 or 67, um, the, the Grange was no more, and something had to be done with the building that it owned. The building is a large three-story building, but it sits on a very small parcel of land. It's an American four square, right? It's I, I, that very solid. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not an expert on the uh, architecture of it, but it's a. It's a building on a very small lot, and it never had water. It never had a septic system. With all those functions there? That's right. Oh, it was an outhouse. Wow. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. It, it was in literally within the building, but it was an outhouse. Uh -huh. And um, water would just be brought in, in, in vessels. <laughs> um, so, so it had electricity, but basic electricity. No water, uh, no bathroom. And the Grange was now defunct. And the building was acquired by the town, which did nothing with it. Nobody knew what to do with it. This is the town of Wright. The town of Wright, yeah. Well, a man very near and dear to me, a man named Chester Zimmer, who lived exactly across the street from me, he... Uh, owned a large poultry farm, Zimmer Poultry Farm. And he was the neighbor. He was the guy across the street. We called him Chet right from the time I could talk. And Chet was a, a, an amateur historian. He had lived in the town of Wright his entire life. He was born in 1910 and uh, never left. He thought that the Gallupville House, that the Grange Hall, was a building worth saving. And once he retired from the egg business and, the, the, and raising chickens and baby chicks, uh, the, the, the bicentennial of the United States was being anticipated. So Chester undertook uh, an effort to convince the town that this building should be saved. And he arranged to have a, a, an engineer or architect employed by the state who had an interest in historic buildings to come and, and give an assessment of the building. And the assessment was, no, this building can be saved. It's, it doesn't have to be torn down. Uh, it, How it, old is the building? This building was built in 1872. And so Chester uh, approached the town board and said, I'd like you to, to support the, the notion of restoring this building. The, 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 it was coincident with the bicentennial of the United States. And, there was and a how lot of appropriate, because it was built just before the first centennial. <laughs> Yeah, and then a exactly. uh, hundred years later, there was someone that cared enough to see it saved. 
I think technically the building was really condemned by this time. I mean, it, it wasn't fit to be used, certainly was not up to, up to any standards for a, a public building. And the, the photographs that, that show the building in the, in the mid-60s certainly say, don't go in here, mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not sure it's safe. But anyway, uh, so there was a lot of enthusiasm and um, people jumped in together and, and made some basic repairs and uh, organized a community-wide event in 1976. It was known at the time as Balloon Day because there had been a history way back when the Gallifell House was a hotel. Uh, one of the, the owners... No, so it was managers, a hotel before it was a Grange Hall? Yes. Oh. That, it was built as a hotel. Oh, okay. I missed that part. Well, I, I don't think I said it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the one of the managers, one of the people who operated it as a hotel, as a publicity stunt, got a, a balloon to ascend from the Gallupville House. And it was a thing. It was covered by newspapers, and it was a big deal. And so the, the, the notion of having a balloon ascension seemed to click with people. We could capture the, a little bit of the history of, the, of what we're now calling the Gallupville House. It was the Grange Hall. Now it's going to be called the Gallupville House. Do you know what its name was back when it was a hotel? It had several names, um, the Snyder's Hotel being one of them. And I, I don't have them all memorized, yeah. but the, the hotel was operated by a few different people, but it was hotels. Okay. And uh, so anyway, the... the Balloon Day event occurs, and the building is opened up for the first time in a, a really long time, in 10 years. People who had been in there uh, forgot what it was like and were able to get inside and look. And, and So tell us what it's like. Describe what it's like in there. Uh, as you walk in the, the main floor of the Gallupville House, double doors open, and you are in a large common room you're facing a stage. And it's, it's really a, a cool old stage. Uh, it's got several backdrops because in its heyday as a Grange Hall, and before that as the hall owned by the International Order of Odd Fellows, the IOOF, uh, shows were put on there. And the, the main room, even when it was a hotel, might host a traveling show. Mind you, Gallupville is partway between Albany and Binghamton, and before a lot of other roads were built, when you went from Albany to Binghamton, you came through Gallupville. That's why you needed a hotel. And people were, were entrepreneurial and enterprising and thought, oh yeah, well we can have some shows here. And in fact, there were lots of shows. Uh, that were held at the hotel, or now the Gallupville House. And uh, as a kid, in addition to the, the ice cream socials, um, the, the Grange would sometimes put on variety shows, just an, an opportunity for people to play and have fun and sing and uh, open to the public. So the stage would be there and you'd register. Anybody could do anything they wanted. I made my acting debut when I was about five years old. I played Wilfred Wimple in a play on the stage of the Gallupell House. I can remember it yet. And What was the play? It was just a goofy play set 
in a school. The, the lead was a, a woman who played a teacher, and there, the kids played students. And we had this, this silly little scene where we acted <laughs> like, like naughty children. And Wilford Wimple was the naughtiest of the children because I came in late. And I remember she said, Wilford, uh, why are you late? Well, I was fishing, teaching. I didn't catch nothing. And the teacher said, you mean I didn't catch anything? And I said, oh, did you go fishing too? You know, I mean, this, this is what we did. This is what passed for, for entertainment when I was a kid. So, you know. That's great. So anyway, the... Uh, so, so the Gallupville House was the subject of interest and enthusiasm, and, and people started to think, yeah, you know, we should really save this building. It is prominent in Gallupville, in the town of Wright. It's right in the middle of town. You, you can't miss it. You wouldn't want to miss it. But here we have this relic that is owned by the town. It's not fit for much in the way of public use, but... But there are good feelings about this building. But I took you off a path, which I'm glad I did because I just love that (laughs) school, that play story. But you were talking about the balloon. And so for this bicentennial rebirth Mm -hmm. of the Gallupville House, was there a balloon? There was indeed. Oh, wow. Uh, It 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 didn't take off from the Gallupville House uh, because this was a town-wide celebration that... uh, took advantage of the fact that the town had built a new town building in 1974. So the bicentennial is in 76. Two years before that, we built a, a building to house uh, the fire department trucks and to house the town trucks. And so this is a pretty nice building at the time. And uh, and the town of, the, the village of, or hamlet of Gallupville in the town of Wright, it's a, a circle, basically. And the Gallupville House is on one end of the circle. Diagonally across the circle is uh, is the uh, fire department and town building. So events took place in town, but there's a, a baseball field by the fire department. That's where the balloon took off from. And uh, it, we had a lot of people there, and the balloon lifted off and went, I don't know, a couple miles, landed in somebody's hayfield, and was then packed up and brought back, tethered, and... Anybody who wanted to could get in the b- balloon and lift off. The balloon was owned by Price Chopper, actually. They, huh. they had a promotional balloon that they would, uh, that they would, I guess, loan out. I don't remember whether we had to pay for it or not, but um, you know, it was a, a, a thing at a at a. Yeah, small town well, it's just event. great to have a small town do its own special thing for the bicentennial. I just yeah. think that's really cool. So then, what happened to the Gallupville House after that? Well, then, uh, th- then we have a lot of interest and no money. And we, we have enthusiasm and people willing to do some work. And then in the late 70s and early 80s, some opportunities for, for grant money from pipeline companies that are going to be building pipelines across the Northeast, some of which track through the town of Wright. And uh, without going into all the details that I would have to actually sit down and write down because there, there are so many of them, a, l- a little bit of money became available. And so uh, some very basic improvements were made to the Gallupville House. 
the foundation was firmed up, um, got a nice paint job, got some fresh windows, and... Plumbing? Was there plumbing? Uh, well, that's <laughs> no. a good question. Um, you see, there's not... I, I said the parcel is very small, and it is. Not big enough for a well and a septic field, and there was not nearly enough money to think about a well. But I own the property that's right next to it, and I happen to own a well that's about 200 yards away from the Gallopville house. And it was originally, we, we sectioned off an acre of land for a person who wanted to build a house there, and then that plan fell through, and we, I bought the land back. So I sold it as a hayfield, and I got it back as uh, a small building lot with a well. So I had a well. I wasn't doing anything with it. It was just a, a, a well. <laughs> and I was approached by the town to see if, if they could access water from that well for the Gallopville house. And I said, yes. Uh, and we made a deal whereby we dug a big hole at the top of the hill and allowed the well, which is artesian, to fill a 1,500-gallon tank that we buried. What does that mean, artesian? Artesian means that it, the, the well is perpetually running over the top. Oh. Always. It just, there's, there's pressure in the ground, mm -hmm. and it's not huge pressure. It doesn't blast the, the water into the air, but it just is always overflowing. And so we allow that water to overflow into a, a tank, and we ran a hose from the tank to the Gallopville house. We also ran a hose from the tank to my barn. That was part of the deal. I, I give them use of the well, and I get a hose basically to my barn so that I have water in my barn. Do you have animals in your barn? I did have at the time, okay. yeah. Um, so the question was plumbing. Yeah, now we have a water line going to the Gallopville house. The water is not potable. It's not drinkable as it is, but at least it's water, and at least you can have a toilet so you can have a bathroom. And the Gallopville house has a bathroom, ha actually has two bathrooms, uh, one on the basement floor and one on the first floor. Because the town uses the basement floor as the town court. Oh, so, so it's a municipal building as well. It, it, it is. Uh, but that bodes well for its future because the town will keep it up if it's its court. Well, we hope so. <laughs> we hope so. Uh, as long as it doesn't take m much in the way of money to keep it in, in shape. Um, the court room is a nice room, and it's got a bathroom attached to it. But if you open the other door, you're into a, you know, the, the unfinished underworld of a building that's 150 years old. It's it got a lot of cobwebs, and I don't think you really want to spend much time back there. Um, but plumbing. And the, the septic system for a building of that square footage uh, would require more property than the, the lot size. So I granted an easement to the town to site the, the leach field on my property as well. So my property and the Gallopville House property have a, a pretty significant relationship. Not only are they adjacent to one another, but the well that provides water 
to the building is mine, and the land that houses the leach field for the septic is also mine. Well, here's an awkward question because you certainly look hale, hearty, youthful. But what happens? Is this in perpetuity, or is this does this go with the land then? Um, when I, you know, I I, th- I don't didn't really worry about that when I granted the easement, but I think that the easement will will go with the property. I don't think uh, a prospective owner could end that easement. So on a cheerier note, <laughs> yeah. um, getting this press release, it seems like there's a lot of new energy involved in the Gallaville house. What, what's well, happening is. currently there, with there, it? There is some energy. Um, the, the enthusiasm that, that bubbled up in the, the late 1970s uh, accomplished a few things not the least of which was getting this building named to the National Register of Historic Buildings. Oh, nice. So it's definitely there. Um, but the enthusiasm gets high, and then it kind of drops off, and it builds up, and it drops off, and we're in a, a, a little higher moment right now. And after I left the school district and you know had a chance to rest up a little bit for a few years. I, I wanted to get involved with something in town. I tried a, a little stint in local government and decided that was not for me, but maybe some community work with the Gallupville House is for me. And uh, there are a number of young people who live in town who have kids who fall in love with that building every time they walk into it. And that that's one of its great strengths, that when you walk in, I've never seen a person step in and not go, wow, this is really nice. So we, we, we take advantage of that and, and are, are trying to figure out ways to, to develop that building so that it can be nicer, that it can be used more readily. We'd love to be able to put on events there that involve a lot of food. We don't have good water and we sure, certainly don't have a kitchen. Um, our bathroom is a bathroom, but you know, it's not, it's not high end by any measure. <laughs> but what about plays? You've got that stage. Indeed, uh, we've had music events there. Um, the, the stage is really fantastic, and uh, when we started to promote interest, we, we want to attract what we're calling Friends of the Gallupville House. So uh, we put on an event in October and advertised it up, trying to interest people in becoming members of the Gallupville House Association. Help us plan events here. Uh, so we put on a, an all-day fair, and we got some interest. We have 30 people on our mailing list now. That's up from six. So, so it was a pretty, a pretty big improvement for us. Yeah, but one of those people, one of those people, interestingly, uh, came from Middleburg, currently lives in Rotterdam. And as a little girl, she said, I, I was involved in some plays at the Gallupville House. Now, there was a period in my life when I wasn't really focused on goings-on in Gallupville very much. I, my life centered in Gilderland. I was very much involved with the school district. I would drive to Gilderland maybe 10 times in a week, 
drive to Schoharie maybe twice in a month. So I, I really was not connected to, to Gallupville other than my own property. But, in fact, there were plays that were put on. Somebody would organize a play, and she was part of it. And she remembered it, and she contacted me and said, I'd love to, to uh, organize some acting classes and run them at the Gallupville House. How neat. And I thought, you should be a friend of the Gallupville House. <laughs> she said, yes, I should be. I will be. So she came to the event, and uh, her name is Mylia Misenheimer. And she operates the Upstate Hamlet Theater Company. Oh, I didn't know there was one. That's well, great. You now know. And Mylia um, Meisenheimer. Yeah. She's an attorney who works for legal aid, I think. And um, so she's conducting acting classes. And we're going to meet on Monday. She hasn't had any takers yet for the Gallupville site, but she has a, a plan, and we've we've reserved the, the days to use the Gallupville House for her to run, uh, have her instructional um, days, and then to have showcases. Uh, one is scheduled for June, then she's got a week-long intensive that she's planning for July, and another one in August, and then more lessons and a, a showcase in the fall. Uh, it's on the calendar. That's neat. And it's, also it's on, on her website. Yeah. It's on our website, <laughs> but we actually we, we don't have people involved with it yet. So we're going to get together Monday and, and talk about how we might do more to attract people. Yeah. We need people. We need actors. And, and she really wants to have kids. She wants it to not be adults. She wants it to be you know little kids, middle kids, and, and older kids. Oh, so. I think that's great. And looking at your website, you also have a dance on your calendar. We do, but unfortunately we had to cancel that dance because we uh, are concerned about oh, coronavirus. Uh, bringing large groups of people together, oh. particularly with a contra dance. You know, if you're familiar with them, everybody's holding hands all the time. You're holding hands with 100 people in the course of a night, and we just felt that that was uh, not necessarily well, a good thing to promote today. Good for you. That's responsible. But just for the future, when we get through this yep. coronavirus, tell us what a contra dance is. A contra dance is a, is a traditional dance. Uh, you might, it's, it's a little like square dancing. Sometimes they are set up in squares, but mostly they are set up in long lines where uh, dance partners are opposite one another, and there might be uh, f 15 people in each line. So there could be 30 couples. And a, a caller takes you through some movements, and uh, in, in, a, in a heartbeat, you now have a new, a new partner. <laughs> and by the end of the dance, you're going to have danced with every partner there. And it's... Uh, it's, it's Large groups of people all doing the same thing at the same time, coming together, back and forth. Virginia Reel would be an example of a, like a contra dance. Oh, I just think that's wonderful. I, as a kid, they used to have dances like that, and I thought they disappeared. It's just a great way for the community to come they together. They have not disappeared, and, and um, maybe not as many as there used to be, but, but we know Paul Rosenberg, and, and he's a good caller, and he has a band. So... Uh, you know, unfortunately, we had to cancel the, the dance that we had scheduled for tomorrow night, but uh, I'll know at our meeting on Monday whether we have some future dates that we might be able to reschedule that dance. So anyway, the, the Gallupville House, Friends of the Gallupville House, is a, a developing group, and uh, we're trying to place events. Our, our theory is that if we 
cause events to start happening at the Gallupville House that we will raise awareness and raise interest. We want this to be an irresistible community center in town. Uh, the town does not support the Gallupville House financially beyond paying the electric bill and plowing the driveway and, and paying the propane bill. The top part of the building is heated only when it's in use. Um, but the bathrooms are heated with a little electric heater to keep the plumbing from freezing, but it's a very bare-bones operation. And we think that we could justify trying to get a, a stronger financial commitment from the town if the building is in use a lot. The, the little town of Gallupville has charm, but after that... Um, you can't even buy a cup of coffee in town. I mean, there is nothing. We don't have a store. We don't have a gas station. Um, we have a, a few craftspeople. My wife most recently, you know, sold her pottery from a little, a little building almost as big as this table <laughs> on our property. But but there's there's really not much there. And we we think that a vibrant community center that attracts families is something that would benefit the town. I mean, it'd be hard to argue that it would not benefit the town, but causing that sort of stuff to happen is, is a lot of work, especially when there's no money involved. I mean, how do you, how do you put on a big event? You, you need a few bucks to get an event going. Mm -hmm. There's just so much that can be done with everybody showing up and, and doing a potluck dinner. We do that sometimes. You know, we'll just, everybody bring a, a crock pot, we'll sit together and we'll have some laughs and, and fun and, and I don't know what else we'll do. But we just bring people together. Um, so if someone wants to get involved in this, who do they contact? Who do they? The, the easiest way to do it is to go to our website. We have a website because we want people to be able to reach us easily. And we had have the good fortune to have a, a couple of people who are highly skilled in website development, one of whom teaches web development uh, at the college in Cobleskill. So he helped us a lot. Um, but you can, you can sign up for, for information from uh, the Gallupville House Association. And once you put your, your email address in, I'll get a little email that says, put me on the list. And so I'll put you on the list. But we announce our meetings uh, on the website. And the, the, the town uh, rents the building out. So people who want to host parties, for example, can do so at the Gallupville House. And that does happen. Oh, like you could have a wedding there. or You, you could, you could have... ha absolutely have a wedding there. You can have a birthday party. The birthday party is probably the most, most popular thing. Huh. People will, will come in and, you know, there are tables and chairs. There's the stage, of course. Um, and it's a pretty room. It's, I mean, really a very pretty room. And it's a big room. So if you want to put a, a birthday party together for 50 people, it might be hard to do in your house, but it's a piece of cake to do in the Gallupville house. We're very easy. A piece of cake. That's good for a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it's not expensive. You know, if, you, if you're a town resident, we ask 50 bucks for that. That's not much. No. And um, 
so so we like it when when the the venue is being used. We, we get the heat up. You know, there's there's the bathroom. You have to bring your own toilet paper, which I guess nowadays is is getting tough. <laughs> but anyway, it won't be like that forever. Um, so we anyway we want the building in use, and we're figuring this out as we go along. We, I am a firm believer that. You know, the town that I live in, while it doesn't have a, a coffee shop or a gas station, it can have a, a powerful and vibrant community. But you have to get people together in the same place for that to happen. And, uh, you know, we have three faith communities in town, but, you know, while they're technically open to everybody, they're, they're really faith communities. Uh, the fire department is another community group, but it's got a very specific purpose. The Gallupville House is the only group in town that isn't faith-based and, and isn't like the fire department uh, functionally based. It, mm-hmm. This is just purely to bring people together in town. And it's not political. It's not, it's, it's not anything. It's just a group. Anybody can be in it. Anybody. And we want everybody to be in it. And you don't even, there's no dues, there's no nothing. It's just be part of it. Come and bring an idea and let's plan an event. Uh, we met in January and one of the ideas was uh, a chili bake-off. Let's have a chili bake-off because we've done that a couple times. It's a very popular deal. We'll fill the house with excellent chili. A lot of people will get some music in there and we'll have a day. And it'll be a really fun day. Uh, in two weeks, actually, two weeks from tomorrow, on the 28th of the month, there's going to be a little scavenger hunt. It sort of loosely coordinates with Easter, but it's not quite, it's not religious, it's not an Easter hunt, although there will be little eggs out, oh, and the eggs will have, probably have a quarter in them, I think. But we'll have 50 or 60 little kids jumping around the Gallupville house, and we've done it before, and it's a blast. It really is. It's, it's terrific. It's people bringing their kids together. Everybody's having a good time. And two hours later, it's done. But you know what? You've had, you've had that moment of community that is precious. And we've used up our time, but what a great ending, a moment of community that's precious precious and it's almost taken us full circle to where you were a little boy (laughs) going there with your part in the play and your line to ascertain in the (laughs) ceremony so thank you Chris Claus thank you it's been my pleasure thanks for having me Addendum. Chris and I were just chatting, and something I think really important came up as we're all thinking about the novel coronavirus, which of course um, has now had positive cases in Albany County. And Chris has been thinking about the kind of role that the Gallupville House may play in that. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that 
popped up on my iPad this morning, where I often start my day to get some information, was a, a note put out by uh, a man named Matt Avitable. And Melissa, you may know him or know of him. Matt is the publisher of the uh, Mountain Eagle and Schoharie News in, in Schoharie County. He's also the mayor of the town of Middleburg. And he noted on his Facebook page that he is starting a, a, a service to try to provide goods and help people in his community who might run out of supplies because there is a run on certain basic things. And also, you worry about people that live alone if they're quarantined. Yes. How do they go and get those or, or, groceries? Or people who, or... Are, who are reluctant to come into a town and go to a store where there are going to be a lot of people together. So anyway, he said he's going to try to help make sure people get what they need. And I thought, perfect. That's exactly what, what a local government should do. And good for him for doing that. Does the Gallifell House potentially have a role here? So uh, I sent a, a quick email out to a, a few of my uh, my colleagues working on the Gallifell House, and I, I said, the public health news has had me a little depressed this week. But then, the first thing on my Facebook feed this morning was Middleburg Mayor Matt Evitable announcing that he's initiating an effort in Middleburg to help residents and neighbors get the supplies they need from the drugstore and other local businesses. He's anticipating that supplies might get low and that people might be reluctant to travel to public spaces. An hour later, an email comes in from uh, uh, Teresa Heary, who is involved in a, a local group called Rural Awakening. And she's using the power of, of their email contact and a, and a click button. Click here if you need some help. Click here if you have some help that you're willing to offer. And I thought, great. Yes, give people a way to ask for help and give people a quick way to offer help. Community-minded individuals and groups stepping it up for the community. The rest of my email says, Gallopville House should be part of that effort. We have the best website in town, maybe the best in the area. We have a very public sign that people see whenever they are out driving. We have a phone number that turns every message into an email that many of us receive and read. We have a large building that can house donated supplies. We have people who can volunteer to open up the place and distribute supplies. We can post critical information in a very public way that anyone with an internet connection can access. I've asked my people to give that thought. We're going to get together on Monday, and we're going to see what we can put together. We will are open to coordinating with the local fire department. We're local to, open to coordinating with the local government. We're not sure what it's going to be, but the idea just flew in, and we're, we're going to try to develop it. It's a great idea, and I hope people listening to this will think about we don't all, aren't all lucky enough to live in the town of Wright and have the Gallopville House, but it's just an idea that seems like it could be applied to any one of our communities yeah. if there's an organization that's willing to take on that role. Yeah. So thank you for the idea, and thank you for sharing it. Sure, my pleasure.